My name is Wei Lingling. I'm a China correspondent for the Wall Street Journal. Up until May 2020, I was based in Beijing, covering China's economy. Then I was expelled、um, following the government's、um, order in March, along with my colleagues at the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and the Washington Post. All of the journalists that were expelled are American journalists, and I was one of them. Being a foreign correspondent in the People's Republic of China has never been easy. Since the 1940s, these journalists have had to navigate government restrictions on travel, staged events, protecting their sources, the fear of having their press credentials revoked, and, in some cases, threats on their own safety. But in the last year, tensions have increased as the U.S. and China have been involved in an increasingly hostile tit-for-tat battle. Of trying to control the foreign media organizations from each other's countries, as you just heard, one of the people caught in that crossfire was Ling Ling Wei. From the USC US China Institute, this is China Life, the podcast sharing the stories of people living and working in China. I'm your host, Craig Stewart. Ling Ling was born in Jiangxi Province in southeast China. Where Chairman Mao founded the People's Liberation Army in 1927, her grandfather participated in the Long March, which was a series of strategic retreats in 1934 to evade the Guomindang Army. Lingling's grandfather ended up spending 13 years with Mao. I was told by you know some official accounts in in China that you know of all the aides to Mao, my grandfather was with him for the longest time. So I grew up in a military family. Very, folk, you know, disciplined military family, and I actually grew up in a military compound. I would、um, wake up every day,、um, you know, to this loudspeaker in the compound blaring songs from the revolutionary era, and songs like、uh, "Unity is Strength." So yes, I grew up in that kind of、uh, environment, and I never really thought that someday I would be a journalist writing critical stories about the Chinese government、uh, for one of the、uh, you know biggest media outlets in America. While Lingling's mom was an officer and medical doctor in the army, she had always wanted to be a war correspondent, and that dream got passed down. It seems. As in the 1990s, Lingling headed off to Fudan University in Shanghai to study journalism. Back then, you know, we took classes on Marxism and all that, but we were also very fortunate enough to experience the liberal culture at Fudan at the time. Really, also benefited greatly from the greater openness of China to the Western world, especially the United States.、Uh, I remember back then we had many Fulbright scholars who introduced us to some of the best work in American journalism. Uh, that's how I learned about Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein,、um, and you know we could also read the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. Did you have any impressions of the U.S.? Growing up, I definitely my mom told me many stories about my grandfather. His only interaction with the Americans was back in the 1936, when the American journalist Edgar Snow、uh, went to Yan'an. 
you know, the base for the uh, the communists, and interviewed Mao Zedong and other senior leaders for quite a period of time, and wrote the book uh, Red Star Over China. And my mom would tell me like um, about how impressed uh, my grandfather was with uh, Edgar Snow, and thought he was very friendly. Um, and uh, you know, during the Korean War. Uh, my grandfather would even tell the children, including my mother, that the war was really aimed at um, the American imperialism, nothing against American people. So that was the the um, earliest knowledge I ever had about Americans. I really started to get a better understanding of America, American value, and American way of life uh, when I was in college. And we also tried to Learn English by watching Hollywood movies, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Sharon Stone, Richard Gere. You know all those um, you know uh, films, movies. I uh, just just loved it. You know, for me, that's the best way of learning English. Uh, I also loved the American sitcom, uh, Growing Pains. Uh, right, it's the family. I was so you know enamored by you know the their life, the middle class American life. You know. I was always very impressed when one of the girls, you know, would uh, manage to talk back to her parents, you know, without any consequences. <laughs> I was like, wow, if I ever done that, I probably, my, my mom and my dad, I, I didn't know. I can't even imagine how, how they would react to that. I wanted to really, you know, go to America and experience America, you know, what it's really like. I had been a reporter for a state-owned newspaper for about a year and a half, um, but as you know, uh, writing stories uh, for state-owned newspapers uh, usually felt like a political exercise. If I stayed in China, I could have a very stable job, very predictable. Um, but I guess you know, uh, like a lot of other of my uh, peers, uh, I also wasn't, you know, um, too satisfied with just being spoon-fed. I, you know, it just wanted to see the outside world. So I really wanted to be a real journalist. And Ling Ling got her chance. In 1999, she was accepted to NYU to get her master's degree in business journalism. Later, my professor at the time, NYU, Steve Solomon, he just thought, oh, wow, this is a, someone from China who wanted to learn about, you know, American journalism. So he was very interested. Knowing it was her first time in the U.S., her professor invited Ling Ling out to his house in Princeton Junction, New Jersey. I got to see his whole family, his wife and two extremely talented children. Wow. And I visited his house and, you know, stayed for uh, overnight I was just like so touched and just everything was perfect. Um, very, very friendly people and just uh, warmed my heart. Um, so I was off to a very good start. I immediately fell in love with the country. Did middle-class America meet your expectations from Growing Pains? Definitely, definitely. I told myself the minute I stepped into my professor's house, I told myself, this is the life I want to have. Did you get a lot of questions about China? Did people, you know, were they curious? Were they probing you of like what it's really like? 
Oh, absolutely. But the funny thing is that most people who ask me about that were other international students. And the American students, um, they didn't really care too much about things that were going on in China. They're more、um, focused on their own world. What's going on in America? As time goes went by, people started to talk about the Americans don't really care about other countries or what's happening outside world. So I started to get an inkling of that from taking classes at NYU from my classmates. Yeah, and I and I guess what might make it easier for you is because New York is so diverse. Did you ever feel like an outsider? I never really did feel like an outsider, even early on. It's just so diverse, as you say. You know, there are a lot of Chinese, Asians in New York City. You know, other countries, and and just、uh, this melting pot, right? So you felt like you're part of it. I became American citizen in late 2010, and. You know, went through this、uh, ceremony, experiencing all those emotions. I just remember, like I also felt like I already became American, like a long time ago. Were you able to stay in touch with your family back in China? Oh、I、yeah,、like、I I tried to call back then. It wasn't that easy like today, right? But still, I, you know, I always、um, got those prepaid card from Chinatown. It's really cheap. So I tried to call my mom and my dad at least once a week, every weekend. Yeah, what did they think about you being there? My parents were very proud、uh, of the fact that I was able to make a living in New York. I remember、um, uh, the day I got hired by the Wall Street Journal. That was someday in February in two thousand eight. My parents invited their best friends over. And、uh, celebrated on my behalf. In my memory, they did that three times in my life. First time was when I got into Fudan. They did a big banquet and celebrated that. The second time was my wedding, and then this, that was the third time when I got hired by the Wall Street Journal. So、um, yeah, they were very proud because they knew that、um, obviously the Wall Street Journal. It's one of the best newspapers in the whole world. Everybody knows the Wall Street Journal, even people in China, even though they can't really get it every day.、Um, and also, they knew that was what I always wanted. I wanted to be writing for one of the best newspapers in the whole world, and you know, just practicing good journalism. So yeah, so that was、uh, one of their proudest moments. I started out as a real estate reporter for the journal. At the time, was、uh, in the midst of the financial global financial crisis, and、um, it's not until late 2010 I was、uh, offered this job in China, and I ob- obviously took it right away. I, you know, I that was my dream coming true. Finally, you know, after 11 years in America. I was able to do what I came here for, which was go back China and be a real journalist. Chinese regulations really don't allow Chinese citizens to write for foreign media outlets.、Uh, that was really、um, 
why I became American citizen to be able to be back to China and write about China for the journal. Right after I became, I got my blue passport. The first thing I did was go to the Chinese consulate in New York to apply for a Chinese visa, and then this visa official just took over my Chinese passport and cut off the upper right corner. I just remember my tears just、uh, streaming down my face. I was like, "That's it." At that moment, I was very sad. But at the same time, I was also very proud. Yeah, did you feel like you were, like when he cut that piece off, like it, you were he was cutting off a piece of your identity? A little bit like that, but a very good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. and I I also felt like was,、uh, I, I I sort of like wished she could have、uh, showed some emotion, like didn't have to do it in such a. Inhumane kind of way, like at least you know, kind of,、uh, um, you know, just, just, just. I don't know. I just wish she could have been nicer. I just didn't expect her to be so businesslike. Just cut it and go back to go to the next window. It's like that, you know. But、um, uh, I went to Beijing for the journal in the spring of 2011. Then I started this ten.、Uh, Almost ten years of amazing experience of covering China, and with every passing day in China, I actually was living, breathing Beijing every day, and I felt like I was more like American every day because I really missed, you know, what's it like to live in an open society, to be able to write stories without worrying that I might offend someone. And get myself or my family or my sources in trouble, you know. It just made me feel a little bit like real American every single day. So the past ten years is really interesting. The past ten years of living in China really made me feel like more like American. I'm no longer a Chinese with a blue passport. I'm really a Chinese American. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, you you had this dream of going back, you know, to your country, right? right, where you grew up, and maybe you even felt more like an outsider going back to China than you did going to the U.S. Right. Initially, I was very excited, but immediately I landed in Beijing and started work. The obstacles were so enormous,、uh, you know. So amazingly,、um, every time I went, I tried to interview, especially a government official or a government researcher or anyone had something to do with the government. They were like, "Look at you! Like, are you a translator for the Wall Street Journal? Are you what? What are you for the Wall Street Journal?" I said, "I'm a reporter for the Wall Street Journal." But you're Chinese. Yes, I'm a Chinese, but I can still be a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Like nobody actually believed me. You know, it, it just the first two years were so hard. It took me a long time, a lot of effort, actually, to convince my own countrymen that I'm real deal. I am a journalist. Really, I'm a journalist for the Wall Street Journal. I can write. I, I speak Chinese, but I can also write. 
in English. So take me seriously. That was not easy. easy. So um, yeah, um, but you know, obviously there are other uh, more severe and higher obstacles like you know the lack of uh, free press and the protection journalists and um, you know the way they treat foreign correspondents, the the bullying, the the uh, using your press credentials as a leverage over over you. All those things just uh, it's it's very hard place to 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 do reporting. Do you think that the Chinese government treated you more unfairly, or do you think they were harder on you because you were Chinese? So, because the fact that I'm Chinese, it's sort of like a double-edged sword. On one hand, I was able to really penetrate into the government because, you know, sometimes uh, officials uh, not as wary of being seen uh, talking to me because, you know, I look Chinese. It's not like so obvious this guy talking to a foreign person or foreign reporter. So, uh, in, and also, obviously, I understand how the system works and I speak the language. You know, I can try to get their guards down. So that definitely, you know, bigger picture-wise, it really has helped me being a Chinese tremendously. But obviously, if for some superficial relationship, right, like, for example, some spokespeople for a certain uh, government agency is certainly expecting more from you because they think they, they hope you can be more sympathetic with China's positions, right? Because you're Chinese, right? You should be more sympathetic with China. You should be more patriotic. But they just, very few people really, especially in the official circle, really understand what journalists are supposed to do, what, what it means really to be a journalist. They have very little sense of that. They just look at you, oh, you're Chinese. You should help China, not hurt China. Was that hard for you at all to go back and be so critical of where you grew up? Um, you know, obviously, um, I didn't try to be critical just be for being sake of the being critical. Mm-hmm. Our goal is really to find out what's really going on. Absolutely, it's harder uh, for me, especially when being confronted with the, the kind of pressure you know, from government agencies. I know in the back of my mind and probably the minds of my colleagues as well, there's always the concern that we could get kicked out if the government really is pissed off by our coverage. So that's always a risk. But in the end, you know, we just, you know, have to carry on. Our job is to hold the power accountable. So that's how I see uh, the kind of journalism I do. I, you know, don't really care that this would offend you or not. It's, if it's a truth and uh, it's something our readers have the right to know, then we're going to write about it. You know, it's, it's definitely a very tough balance, um, you know, constantly um, battling different pressures um, from basically everywhere 
and trying to stick to what you believe in. So your parents were, you know, so excited when you first got your job at the Wall Street Journal. How did they react to you coming into China as a foreign journalist? Oh, they loved it. They loved it. Their daughter was back, uh, but also、uh, my dad. He was also wary of the situation I was in. Some of my stories can be very critical of the government, of the decision-making process, of the economy.、Uh, but you know, he never tried to interfere with what I do. The only thing he's done was helping me gain a greater understanding of how the party works, how the system. System works, so I really have benefited a lot from my father's guidance. So make sure that our coverage is more balanced and nuanced. So they were never like over dinner, like, why did you have to write that story? Why did you have to be so mean? You know, couldn't you have just ignored that? No, never that kind of dinner conversation.、Um, and also sometimes I just didn't let them know what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was sent to China by the Journal to specifically focus on the liberalization of China's currency and China's、uh, financial markets. Right, that was all the rage in 2011, 2012. You know, up until 2015, after Xi Jinping came to power, a couple years after that. So initially, was so much hope, right, for. Big bank kind of reforms happening in China, especially after right after Xi Jinping came to power, and he did try too. He did dabble in greater kind of liberalization efforts,、um, but then now nothing's happening in that regard. The country really is turning increasingly inward, looking right more focused on fostering stronger. State-owned enterprises, trying to fix all those financial problems. You know, most recently they're talking about focusing more on domestic market. So it was really amazing、uh, to experience all that, witness that, and write about it—the 180-degree turn. Did that surprise you, or did you get a sense of that coming before it happened? It did surprise me. It did. So I was expecting to read more about China's rise, economic rise, but 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 in the whole context of China becoming more open society,、uh, both economically and politically. And there were is a lot of initial signs of that actually happening, but obviously it didn't happen. It actually went backwards. It's just enormous experience for me. Just amazing journey, even for myself, living and breathing the changes that is going on in the country on a daily basis. Well, that journey kind of came to an abrupt end. Yes.、Right? Earlier this year, when、uh, the government expelled you and many other American journalists. Right. What did it feel like when you found out you were getting kicked out? I really experienced so many different emotions、um, after the government issued the order to expel、um, me and other of my colleagues.、Um, initially, it was pure fear, 
and a sense of helplessness. For the longest time, I thought of myself as this example of how people in China could benefit from close relationship between, you know, the U.S. and China. I was fortunate to be able to attend New York University to study journalism and then practice with one of the best newspapers. I got my American citizenship,、uh, went back to China to practice、uh, independent journalism. So I was able to benefit so much. From this close relationship, then fast forward to the time I was being kicked out. All of a sudden, I have become what some people in China called the bomb ashes of this intensifying political crossfire. Bomb ashes in Chinese are "pao hui," basically means collateral damage. So that was quite a turn for me personally in my life. It just broke my heart that I had to leave China. I had to leave my aging parents and take my son, who's only six years old. This is just a huge disruption to his life as well, and for my career. As I explained to you earlier, my dream job had always been to practice journalism in China. So that's really a heartbreaking experience that I was thinking about quitting to remain in China with my parents. As my mom told me, just like my grandfather. He did what he believed in. He believed in communism. He believed in serving the party and helping build the new China. And my mom told me, "You should do what you really believe in." So, you know, for their generation, it was a quest just to survive. Just you know, forget about dreams. They were happy that they could just have a life without wars, without any political upheavals in their lives. But for me, I'm lucky enough. I still have a choice. So I chose to pack up and come back to New York and continue to write about China. I think more and more people, especially those who straddle the two countries, they may have to make a tough choice, right? Especially if the relationship gets worse, they may have to choose China or the U.S. It's very sad. So your grandfather. You know, he was with Mao for 13 years. You said, right, right, right. Dedicated his life to building a better China. Do you kind of feel like you're doing that same thing as a foreign journalist, helping build a better China through revealing these truths, through showing what's really going on? I definitely believe that, but the government doesn't. Right? They think anyone who writes critical stories about China. Must hate China. It, it it's so not true. Most of I, if I if not all of them, but most of the American journalists expelled from China, are so in love with the country. That's why they have spent so many years in the country already. You know, taking greater great personal risks, writing about what really is going on. It's not because. We don't like the country, or don't we hate the country? Not at all. It's just what journalists do, right? We hold the powerful accountable. We write about stuff we think readers have a right to know, and we serve as checks and balances on、uh, on authorities. So that's the essence of journalism. But it's very difficult for. Some government officials in China to really understand that, 
they equate people writing critical stories with just what they think, you know, China haters, which is totally not the case. And in order, you know, China said, you know, the uh, government has said many times uh, China is a responsible world power and all that. Then show it, right? Be a grown-up. If you're really confident in your own system, the past you have chosen for your people, shouldn't be so uh, worried about people criticizing you and being critical of you. That's how society progresses, right? So I just felt like um, there are still ways to go for China to really become a mature kind of superpower. You can read Ling Ling's reporting on the inside story of the U.S.-China trade war in a new book that she co-authored, Superpower Showdown. There's a link to that in the show notes. China Life is a production of the USC U.S.-China Institute. If you haven't yet, subscribe to China Life wherever you listen to podcasts to get every episode downloaded automatically. While you're there, leave us a review. It really helps other people find out about the show. To learn more about the USC US China Institute and browse our vast collection of resources such as historical and contemporary documents, China-related events around the US, author interviews, and seminars for educators, visit our website at china.usc.edu. I'm Craig Stubing, and this is China Life.